want to talk a couple of minutes about the privilege of fatherhood. It is certainly, most certainly, a privilege. When we talk about fatherhood, we're talking from the word father. Father, um, when you look at its, its DNA, father comes from the word source or seed bearer. We're not just guys. We carry seed within us. We're not just guys. We have a source of a vision within us. And that's precious because God gave us that. God gave us the ability to see dead fields and see buildings and, and bridges and entire cities there. And in the same way we can see bridges and buildings, we can see our families, we can see our children's future, we can see a better future for them. And so when a father is plugged in to the Heavenly Father, um, that anointing flows through him to us and through us. So I appreciate that because, it, because many people misunderstand fatherhood. They misunderstand uh, the importance of it. Uh, they have an ignorance maybe of fatherhood. Um, the U.S. and World News Report wrote this one time. It says, more than virtually any other factor, a biological father's presence in the family will determine the child's success and happiness. Now, we know there are mothers that have done it on their own. We know that. And we celebrate them. And you see that many times with these football guys or these baseball guys. Yeah, mom, she was there and she helped me. My dad wasn't around. But for them, it was doubly hard. And even for that child because he didn't have father's presence. Look what it said. Today, many scientists and behavioral experts concur that the crisis in families is the major factor that feeds social ills. Crisis in families. And the prophet Malachi, he, he revealed that uh, what Jesus on the cross would restore on the earth is a fatherless problem. Children in father-absent homes are five times more likely to be poor. Infant mortality rates are 1.8 times higher for infants of unmarried mothers than of married mothers. Youths in father-absent households still had significantly higher odds of incarceration than those in mother-father families. Youths are more at risk of first substance abuse without a highly involved father. Being raised by a single mother raises the risk of teen pregnancy. Fatherless children are twice as likely to drop out of school. Compared to living with both parents, living in a single parent home doubles the risk that a child will suffer physical, emotional, or educational neglect. Those stated in a broken, or rather those raised in a broken home will suffer socio-psychological maladjustments. So you can see how, how important a father is. Dr. Miles Monroe said this one time, he said, the negative statistics of fatherlessness can be reversed by the power of fathers restored to their place <clears throat> in the family and their true calling as men. Praise God for fathers. Good fathers. Fathers that are involved. So it's important that all of us men here understand that importance. In Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, it says this, You see, I will send to you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. So when men refuse to take responsibility for their sons and daughters, a curse is unleashed in the land. Sin has provoked the children to wrath 
And as a result, they have rebelled against divine order, which has brought curses to them also. For example, many fathers have abdicated their responsibilities. A generation of fathers with no commitment to their seed, releasing no natural or spiritual inheritance. The other day I saw uh, on the news uh, this young man who had fathered already 30 children. 30 children. And it was not the same woman. Would have taken too long. 30 children. And you know what he was doing? He was pleading to the government to help him because he could not afford his 30 children. You think? Now look at that. I see the height of irresponsibility. See, because every time a man has sexual, you know what, whatever it is that they do, anytime they have sexual intercourse, thank you, sir. It's hard even for me sometimes to bring it up. But the fact of the matter is uh, fifth graders right now are discussing this. So if we don't discuss it in the church, they're going to learn it in a skewed way in the school somewhere. So every time men have sexual intercourse with a woman, they are passing seed along to that woman. Well, I'm careful. I don't care how careful you are. That seed is very, very determined to get to its place. And in most cases, they don't want the children. They just want the fun. Well, God created the fun part so that a man could marry his wife and have a great relationship. And that continually draw them together. If all I care is about an experience with a, child, with a girl, a young lady, and not care about the future of that young lady, I will do just that. And then later on, I'll turn around and say, well, I'm not ready for that. Okay, fine, you're not ready. You're going out, you're going to have a great time. But now the, the, the girl has to go back home with mom and dad and raise that child all by herself. And you know what I hate is that we men, we, are, we have the ability to create with our words a beautiful panorama of a great future. Yeah, baby, I love you. I'll always be with you. Yeah, you know this is right. If there's love, that's all we need. I'm, oh, I'm telling you, we can, we can talk a good talk. But many times we can't walk the talk after we've talked the talk. Did I make sense there? So you young ladies have to be careful. The smoother they are, the more quicker they'll run. Direct quote. I told my daughters, you know, you know, really, in reality, the best thing you could do is make that guy put a ring on your finger. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Because we don't want guys that just pass seed. We want fathers. And it's easy many times for, to a one-day relationship or one-week relationship, but it's hard afterwards. You know, somebody sung the song a long time ago. I'm exposing my age. I think it was Engelbert Humperdinck. After the loving, I will still remain with you. Most of these guys is after the loving, I'm going to go far away from you. See, they, they got the song wrong. They got the song wrong. Many fathers have done nothing to cultivate their children, to get to know who God has made them to be. You know, my dad, he, he, he was uh, 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 one of those old-fashioned guys. He, he never was shown any love. 
My dad was raised very, very hard. He explained to me how his mom just sent him over to the uncle, and the uncle raised him in the field. Pretty much he would work, and he had no sneakers, he had no shoes, and, and they would beat him for any little thing. There was just no love there. So he didn't know what to show me. So he was a victim of a victim, and I got some of that. My dad didn't just hit. He whomped. You know what a womp is? <laughs> I know what a womp is. I felt it all over. Uh, they, they didn't know how to hit. In the old days, they didn't know how to hit the right way. <laughs> they just grabbed the, the, the you know, first thing and bang, ding, dum, tang, tang. And you ladies are not that, you know, you're just as bad. You just got more science to it. You're able to take that chancleta. <laughs> and then, of course, you know, we run, but it doesn't make a difference where you run. You can turn the corner. The chancleta is a missile. Smart bomb. Amazing. Many fathers have modeled inconsistency in all their ways. Inconsistency. It's a terrible thing. See, it's hard to be a father because now you have to realize, you know, I, I have to be an example to a future generation because what they see in me is, is something that they might very well adopt into their own lives. And some of the things that I saw my dad do, uh, I thought it was the natural thing to do. He's the one that got me drunk the first time around. Yeah, I wanted to get drunk. He said, all right, so you want to get drunk? Fine. We sat down. We started throwing shots of... Uh, Southern Comfort. I think I was 14 at the time. I never forget it. <laughs> it's, it's so marked in my life. We sat there, we drank it, and said, I don't feel nothing. And then like half an hour, I was like, ah, yeah, yeah, how dry I am. I don't know if I actually sung the song, but man, I was out of it. My father brought me. So it was a natural, natural progression. It was, it was becoming something norm, a normal part of my life. Until I came to the church one day. They invited me to the church. Uh, my wife's uh, mother invited me to a beautiful service, and I went, and I heard the gospel for the first time. And then I realized that in the church, there were also fathers, spiritual fathers, that helped take me out of what would have been a path of destruction into a path that connected me, reconnected me with Father God. And it changed my future. And because of that, all that stuff did not pass to me and then through me to my children. You see? I mean, every child has their own challenges. And my children have their own challenges. They need to because life is hard. But at least they didn't have that extra baggage. Amen? And then another thing, I, I, and I didn't know this for many years, is, you know, the Lord keeps us young. And I'm 53 now, and a lot of my friends say, man, you, you don't look 53. But here's the point. There are some practical applications. Like for example, a lot of my friends, they started smoking and doing drugs. And, and, and just when I was just ready to get in there, God took me out. So I didn't develop the smoking habit. I didn't develop that heroin or cocaine addict, uh, habit. So what happens is a lot of smoking, it makes you old. It messes with your face, with your DNA. So by the time you're 50, you're pruned. And it's not a natural thing. This was your teeth turn yellow and they fall off and then they get snaggly and all that other stuff like that. You don't want snaggly tooth. Huh? The, the smoke, you get black. No, you don't want that. So don't smoke. You don't need to do that. It's nonsense anyway. But the point is, is if you get saved younger, so all you young folk get saved now. Hallelujah. Get saved now. You're going to avoid all that nonsense. Yeah. 
some of my some of my good friends in ministry, bishops. I'm talking about responsible for thousands of members and and hundreds of thousands of dollars of yearly budgets, some millions of budgets. At age 50, 52, 55, just suddenly got sick and died. And when they opened them up, it was the liver that was shot because they took drugs when they were young. So what they did, every shot they took, every hit they took, uh, it was like a time bomb going into their body. And they kept on putting the time bombs. Now they got saved and God saved them from sin and like he forgives all of us. But there's some repercussions to our actions. And many times it'll take your natural life a lot sooner. God would have wanted you to, man, be affected till you're 80 or 90. But, you know, you mess too much with your body. And there are natural repercussions that'll happen. Moral of the story, stay away from that stuff. And if you're a daddy, model something different. Amen. Model a clean life. You don't have to smoke just because you're, 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 you're bo- your homeboys, your homegirls, whatever. It is. I don't know. I'm out of touch. But, you know, <laughs> those people, just because they're doing it, that does not mean you have to do it. And it doesn't make you cool. It really doesn't. I appreciate those nasty commercials. Yeah, they show a nasty commercial about smoking people and people that got a hole there. And I look at it and say, well, that's sad. I feel t- but I appreciate it because it's giving our youth the other side of the story. Because they don't get that many times until it's too late. So you fathers, you have a great role to play. This is a, a practical role, a mentoring role. Another thing, fathers, many fathers have refused to provide for and protect their seed. They make money and they spend it elsewhere. Elsewhere. They don't spend it on their children. I love when I can invest money in my children. I love it. I appreciate that because I'm investing in their future. If they wanted school, we, you know, we sacrifice them, put them through school. I appreciate that. We're supposed to be investing in the next generation. Hallelujah. In the spiritual and natural children, both. And we do that in a spiritual manner in the local church. But for our natural children, we're supposed to invest what they need, not what they want. Should I meddle? I find my generation made a mistake, and we go too far, and we give them too much. Children should not get everything they want. They should learn how to work for everything they get. Not because you don't love them, but because you love them. Is you want to create creating them a working ethic. You want them to learn how to study. It's hard. It's boring. It's frustrating. Uh, My friend uh, and mentor, uh, Dr. David Island, the leaders went with me the other couple of weeks ago, his grandmother used to make him read a book every month. She made him uh, do a report every month, and it was frustrating to him, very frustrating. It was hard work for him. But you know, right now, as a pastor and as a minister and as a businessman, he has his doctorate, he loves studying, but that was inculcated in him early on, amen, in his family setting. So what you're doing is by making your, your children uh, wash the dishes, clean their rooms, amen, you know, not buy them 300 or $400 sneakers, amen. unless unless you make them work for it, every last dime of it. Because what will happen is they'll realize they won't like you too much in the process. But, but then they'll learn the value of money. If children don't understand the value of money, they want things. And if parents don't get them, then they'll go get a gun and go to the guy across the street who has the $300 uh, sneakers and say, I want it now. You know what that's called? It's called selfishness. Now I'm wanting to work for something. I got to have it now. See, that's, that's, the, that's selfishness. I want your jewelry. But excuse me, you didn't pay for that jewelry. 
He's, but if you learn early on, amen, amen. You learn early on to work. It's a benefit later on because when you mature, you realize it's a hard world. Uh, I, I think um, there was a principal or maybe somebody in that capacity. He, he spoke at one of the uh, graduations and uh, he got criticized sharply. I don't know if you heard it, but the reason why he got criticized is because his address was a very strong one. He didn't go up there and say, you know, you could shoot for the stars and you people are special. No, he says, um, none of you are special. None of you are special. And in history, it says that uh, created beings are special because you got the light of God and the whole thing. So that means all of you are special. That means nobody's special. If all of you are special, then nobody's special. We're all the same. We're on the same plane. So don't expect to get any special treatment out there because you're not going to get it. You've been pampered, you've been fluffed, you know, you've been cared for, you've been given anything, you, everything you want, and now you come into a world that doesn't care about you. Yeah. They'll fire you in a heartbeat. Right. They don't like you very much. Right. They don't want complaining, whining. No, no, they don't. In your job, they don't want you to whine. Right. When they say, how you doing, that's not an open door to start sharing your life. All they really want to hear is, uh, okay. Anything above okay, after a while they go, oh, uh, yeah, uh, let me get back to my cubicle. They really don't want to hear it. I'm getting Neumanns right here. I mean, you know, you're going to have to help me, man. One father to another, you're really going to have to help me. All right, thank you, because, you know, either that or you preach it, one of the two, you know. No, no, really, this, our generation came from a time where we didn't have enough. My toys many times was just a top. I used to roll, you know, put some string on it. Boom. That's, uh, that's what I used to do. And, and those of us that could afford it, we, we would get the Spalding ball. That was special. Not everybody had the Spalding ball. So you could play American, you know, the, the Chinese handball. We got very good at that because there's not really much more we can do. And not everybody had a basketball. I don't, know if that's, I don't know if that's the way it is now, but in the 60s and 70s when I was coming up, whoever had the basketball was king for a day. Yeah, we were king for a day. Or, or we had to fight with the bullies. Because the bullies would come in once we got the basketball, you know, have the basketball and we're playing. The bully would come up, so you're no way on the way on now If I don't play, nobody plays. I used to hate those guys. I hated those guys. I said, who are you? We're online. I got next. Yeah. I hated that when they did that. Anybody know one, one bully? I hated that. And I had the ball, so we used to have to get into a fight. Because they wanted it, but they didn't have the ball. Mine. My ball. Not your ball. Yeah, or, or, I don't know if you did that, you know, stickball, remember stickball? Yeah. We couldn't afford to play baseball, so we would play stickball. You get a stick, put some tape, about this long, spalding ball. And you know what I hated about the spalding ball? When you hit it with the stick, it goes to the next street, down the road, five blocks. We have to wait now for 10 minutes to see if we can find the ball. The only ball, it was bad. We didn't have a. Oh, yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah. no. We actually knew roof, and, and sometimes we got away with stuff. So we used to sneak up to the roof, and there were like 10 balls there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, baby. But <laughs> 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 well, none of you know anything about that. See, that's what we're 
Yeah, but, but today, you know, we, we give our children too much. So what happens is then they think that's the way real life is, yeah. and it isn't. Life is hard. You go out there and too many people looking for the same jobs. There's a lot of competition. So the best we could instill in them is faith in Christ, model a clean, decent life, uh, make them work for their stuff, Amen. make them keep their room clean. Amen. Amen. Make them do chores around the house, clean the dishes, men and women. Because some of us Hispanic, you know, people would make the girls do everything and the men... Just watch TV. Sit down and watch TV. That's not fair. A man needs to know how to wash dishes too. Uh, all the girls are clapping and all the guys are going, whoa, wasn't this Father's Day? <laughs> you should have seen the guys. They all lost the sparkle in their eye for a moment. <laughs> oh, gosh. Amen. You guys are too much. So due to this, many only have a distorted view of father. Or a bad father, a father that abused, a father that didn't show love. And that's most unfortunate because, because of that, they can't see the heart of Father God. So let me give you a couple of points. Number one, God always identifies himself as father. He believes in family. He created family. In heaven, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost manifested to us. First Chronicles 29, verse 10, David prayed, and there, David blessed the Lord before all the assembly, and David said this, Blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. So David recognized him, not just as God, but as Father. Amen. So he is Father. Say to your neighbor, he's Father. He's the ultimate father. He's the ultimate Abba. He's the ultimate source. He's the ultimate provider. And the second point is God is your father. He's not just father. He is our father. One time Jesus prayed and he said this. He said, when you pray, pray this way. And we shared it already. Our father who art in heaven. In John chapter 5 verse 19 Jesus answered this to the, to the people he was speaking to. He said this, I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he does. Yes, to your amazement, he will show him even greater things than these. So, heavenly father reveals everything he is to his son. That, that's, that's kind of interesting because many fathers don't like to reveal their best and their greatest quality to their sons and daughters. They hide it. Well, they're so busy conquering the world, they never develop the time and the relationship to show their children the best way to do things. But not Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father shows everything to His Son. And they have a deep abiding relationship. Every morning, Jesus would go to the mountain and spend time with the Father before he would go and conquer the world, so to speak. Every evening, before going to sleep, he'd go and spend time with the Father. Wow, what an awesome relationship. Isn't that amazing? So it, it gives us a, a, a snapshot as how we could be very effective with our children. And it's not so much in speaking deep things to them, just hanging out with them. So Father, hang out more with the children. Spend time with them. You don't have to do anything, just sit down and watch some baseball together or softball or 
basketball, whatever it might be, soccer. Amen. These are very important moments. And then the third thing is he gives us the privilege of being fathers also and being parents. For you mothers, that's a privilege. That's also an expression of Father God because Father God is both father and mother. He's got the whole quality in him. He created man, male and female, he created man or mankind. But it came out of him. So parents are an expression of God's love to a future generation. In Genesis 17, it says this. As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be called Abraham. For I have made your father many nations, which is what Abraham meant. I will make you very fruitful. I will uh, make nations of you and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants. And after you, your descendants to come, your generations to come, to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. See, God is not just interested in you. He's interested in your seed. When he's looking at you, he's already seeing your son, your granddaughter, your great-great-grandson, your great-great-great-granddaughter. He's already thinking of them and blessing them because of his relationship with you. Wow. God blesses a righteous man to a thousand generations. So just because you're blessed, just because you got baptized the other day, a thousand of your generations can be blessed. Well, see, you, you don't think about that. You, you don't, it's just me. Well, you know, how you doing? Same old, same old. No, it's not the same old, same old. My destiny's on fire right now. I'm, I'm having an awesome destiny. Why? Because he loves me and because I am connected to him. Now his mercy is extending to my children, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren, my great-great-great-great-great. Like in Spanish, we know, tataranietos. Like the, you know, blah, 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 blah. Praise God. So say to the neighbor, you're blessed. And because you're blessed, the generations after you are blessed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, give him some praise. And he blessed people in the house. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. You have everything, right? Yeah, Dad, I got everything. I got the stove, the sleeping bag, the lanterns, the matches, and the cooler. Clean underwear? Yeah, when Jenny packed the girls' bags, I'm sure she packed the girls' clean underwear. <laughs> no. I mean, for you. Yeah, it's in here somewhere. Because if you forgot, you Dad, know... Dad, I, I didn't forget them. If not, you just flip them inside out. You'll be fine. Hey, now remember, the s'mores. You want to make sure you get the chocolate. I know, Dad. I need to melt the chocolate before I add the marshmallows. That way, it, it all melts smoothly. smoothly. Yeah. Taking both girls camping. I can't even imagine what that would be like. I mean, it was one thing taking you and your brothers, but girls. Wow, that's a whole different ball game. I can do it. No doubt. No doubt. Hey, son? Yeah. Listen to me. Have a great weekend. Make some good memories with those fine girls of yours. It's a privilege being a dad. You get to show them God's big old world, probably some stuff they've never seen this weekend. Just remind them who made it. Have fun with them. Laugh a lot. You were always such a serious little guy. Hey, I love you, boy. 
I love you too. Who are you talking to? Nobody. Are you ready for this? I'm ready, Daddy! Alright. You're really gonna do this, aren't you? Why don't you just take her to the mall? Maybe ride a carousel, watch a movie. I got this, trust me. At least let me take the flight. Are you kidding me? She looks like me and has your personality. She's the life of the party. Why would I do that? <laughs> you pack clean underwear? Why does everybody keep asking me about that? Here's your dye panties. <laughs> um, it's called <laughs> underwear. <laughs> No, 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 no. I think your dad would be proud of you. Even though there are much easier ways to celebrate Father's Day. Maybe. But you know what? It's what we do. Me and my dad. It's, uh... It's our thing. Um. privilege of being fathers and parents. And the fourth point, he gives us children, natural and spiritual. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2, it says, To Timothy, my true son in the faith, grace and spiritual blessing and favor, mercy and heart peace be yours from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. You won't only impact your natural children, you will also impact your spiritual children. So people are looking at you and and uh, they might not be saying it, but you're mentoring somebody. You could be mentoring somebody at a distance. They're looking at you. They know you're Christian. Uh, they have heard all these bad news. Because our news, unfortunately, many times, in order to get better ratings, only shows the bad stuff. They don't show the good stuff. So many good things that parents are doing today and fathers are doing in particular in this day. Um, but they don't mention that much. But they'll mention the scandal. They'll mention the father that messed up, the one that's going to prison because of whatever he committed. That's most unfortunate. But make no mistake about it, there are people that are looking at you, and they're learning from you, and they're getting an impartation from you. So be the best dad you can, both naturally and spiritually. And the fifth point is he gives us vision, the ability to see things that are not as though they were. The power to speak things, uh, the power to get raw material and make it happen to bless our children and grandchildren. You know, God said in the Old Testament, through his prophets, he said that God gives us the power to acquire wealth. He gives us power. We have the power to acquire raw material and to be able to take it, utilizing the wisdom of God and blessing our children and our grandchildren and this generation and future generations. So what I'm looking at, and I, every day I ask God for wisdom. I say, Lord, I see resources. Help me now to be able to steward these resources properly. And what I love about Almighty God is what you blew 10 years in a row, God can restore it for you in a year. Really, really. 
So what the enemy took from you or your mistakes took from you, you can, by the power of God, the grace and the love of God, help to restore it and then even take it to the next level. Some of you messed up relationships. Well, own up to it. Own up to it and pray and fast and then go and be the, the healer or, or the initiator of the healing. Yeah, but it'll be too painful. Well, take the pain. Don't tell me that Jesus did not suffer on the cross. Don't tell me that he did not go through a hard time actually from the Garden of Gethsemane. Actually, before that, when he first started his ministry, he had to go to a desert and be tempted and tested like every other man. And he went through all of that, not for himself, for you and me. Because he loved us enough to invest in us. And that investment caused him pain. That, invest, uh, that investment was great sacrifice. And what I find is parents have to sacrifice for their children and they have to sacrifice for a future that many times in the present is not respected or appreciated. I didn't get any amens. I got some mmms. Probably a mmm. You probably know what I'm talking about. No, no, listen. If you invest in somebody and then they tell you, I don't need any of that. What are you doing that for? Don't waste your time. What do you feel like doing? You see this, boy? You see this? You're going to feel it in a moment, right? Yeah, you, you want to you wanna tell that person, well, later for you then. But no, we know that they're ignorant at that moment. They don't understand the benefit it's going to give them down the road. So we sacrifice, and we even sacrifice our emotions many times. Amen. So as godly fathers and mothers, I, I see mothers do this all the time, sacrificing, investing, and yet no appreciation at the current time, current moment. The appreciation comes years later. And you know what I find also? Some, some fathers and mothers never actually get the appreciation. You just have to know that it will come sooner or later. Even if it's after you're gone, even after you're, you're with Jesus, then your children, natural and spiritual, will say, he was a great man. She was a great woman. So you, just, you just have to know that. The minute you invest, the minute you sacrifice, the minute you're going through the pain, you have to say, but I know what this is going to do. I can envision it in a future. Because that's what God does. God sees things that are not as though they were. So when he speaks a thing to you, he knows the outcome. You don't know it yet. But he speaks it with confidence. He loves you through the process. He's patient with you because he knows what's going to happen down the road. And so we as fathers, uh, you know, fathers, I want you to know that God gave you the same visualization process. He gave you the same ability to see raw resources, materials, and the person. And to be able to look at them and look beyond them. Look into their future and start to speak that future into them. You know one of the Jewish traditions, actually from Numbers chapter 6, every morning the Jewish fathers would bless their children. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you. Give you peace. And they would say every day they were supposed to bless their children because it was creating in them a blessed consciousness. It was creating a blessed future for them. So that challenges us because many of us, and I saw it just the other day, I was in Pennsylvania with my wife, and <clears throat> we were kind of amazed. We saw mother and grandmother and 
granddaughter. I think the grandmother said something very obnoxious to the little child. And then we looked, and of course, we made a comment. I wonder whether she treated her daughter. Maybe that's the way the, da the daughter also speaks to the, to the granddaughter. You know, it's, a, it's a sad situation. Well, why don't we turn that around? Why don't we start speaking as the oracles of God over our children? Amen. The oracles of God in our community. The oracles of God in the workplace. Amen. Because in your mouth, you have the power of life and death. So we have power. We have power in our speech. We have power in the perceptions we create with our mindsets, with our attitudes. That's another thing, attitudes. We have to check our attitudes. Are they releasing life to our children? The Bible says you can get angry, just don't sin. So I can get angry and yet still be a blessing. You know, son, this is not acceptable. We will not tolerate here. You know, I love you, but we're not going to tolerate And I love you too much to let you do this. You see, I could say it, I'm still bringing correction, but I'm showing the love too. You see, my friend, you don't have to lose it every time you get angry. The worst thing you could do is allow emotion to rule you. Emotionally ruled people are people that are dangerous to themselves and to others. Many people in prison today are emotionally ruled. All it took is one moment of allowing an emotion to get the better of you and that's when you pick up the gun or you hit somebody or you say something or you do something that later on you'll regret sometimes for the rest of your life. So as men of God and women of God, we have to learn how to take the emotions that God gave us. By the way, these are gifts to us. They're not curses. But you know, you can use anything good in a bad way. We can use emotions in such a way that they'll dominate us and, and the flesh by nature is spoiled. Wants its way all the time, never wants to share, always wants its comfort. You see, so we have to grow beyond that and we have to tell our bodies and we have to tell our flesh, no, not here. You're not going to behave like the fool here. You're going to keep this in check and we're going to work this thing through. Deal with the issue, but don't lose it. Well, it's just the way I am. No, it's not the way you are. It's the way your flesh wants you to be. But you are bigger than that. You're a child of God. You're an ambassador of the kingdom. How many of you know ambassadors are not allowed to lose their temper? Ambassadors are trained to answer just the right way. Ambassadors are trained that before they talk, they think it through. Because they understand that everything they say, they are representing their nation and their president. Well, what do you think we are? So when you lose it in front of your children, what are you saying to them? Are you saying this is the way God looks? Wow. I have to think twice about that one. What you're modeling, you're telling your children, you're telling your community, that's God. Because I'm his representative. I'm his ambassador. And it's not. He's a loving God. He's a tender God. He's a nurturing God. He's a God that's looking for his sons and daughters. He wants them to come back home. With open arms, he's ready to love on them. So what are we modeling? What are we mentoring today? So he gives us the ability to be visionaries. And the last thing, the Lord Jesus empowered us by saving us, by filling us with his power, and by adopting us into his royal priesthood. So as fathers and mothers and children today, I'm thrilled to tell you that as children of God, we have the opportunity to model to, lost, to a lost and dying world the fatherhood of God, the goodness of God. 
We have the ability to shift the futures and destinies of children. When I was 15, I knew I was going to be a statistic. When I was 15, being raised in Harlem, my dad not being there for me, I had to pretty much be out there on my own. I was almost murdered several times. I'm talking about this close to being murdered, and each and every time God delivered me supernaturally. Each and every time. There was nobody there. But now I realize God was watching over me each and every time. I would walk by churches knowing nothing. And I would walk, I would stop and look at the church. And sometimes I'd even cry. Just something would move me about the church. Yet I knew nothing about it. I didn't know that the Holy Ghost was after me. He was throwing the, the hook, line, and sinker. Son, I'm trying to bring you home. Trying to bring you home. Trying to bring you home. When I was a kid, I went uh, for um, two weeks to something called the Fresh Air Fund. And it was precious. They... they Took me over to um, to Lancaster, uh, to a, a, a family that had six children, and for two weeks I left the Harlem area, and for two weeks I was happy. I had so much fun. Those children just had family time. They prayed together, and I didn't know that. I didn't understand that concept, and it was fun. Then I came back home. Then they called me back for Christmas, and another two weeks I stayed in that home, and it was just so much fun. That was when I was about twelve years old. So fast forward, I'm in my mid-30s, I want to say. My children are with me, my wife, and we go to Lancaster. And I say, hon, I'm going to do something crazy right now. So what? So I'm going to call 411, and I'm asked for the phone number for the Foltzes, Carl and Margaret Foltz. Who's that? He says, you're not going to believe it, but I actually remember the name when I was 12 years old of a family that took me in via the Fresh Air Fund. So I went, 411. Yes, our operator may help you. He says, can I have the number for Carl and Margaret Foltz? Here it is. Gave me the number. I went, no, it can't be. All these years later, crazy. All right, so watch this. Ring, ring. Hello. You can tell it's an older lady. She says, hi, is this uh, Margaret Fultz? I says, yes. Victor, is that you? Now, by now, my hairs were all like this. I went, my hands, uh, all the hairs, I was just standing on it. I said, I can't. You called me Victor. You, you know who you're talking to? See, yeah. I remember we had you twice. We've, we've been praying for you all these years. That's why God was after me. I had people praying for me. I didn't even know it. They were praying me through all those years. We went over there, went to the house. I brought the children. And I was like a little kid, because the house was real big, but when I got there, it was real small. <laughs> Something happened to it. I, maybe the rain just shrunk it. Same train in the backyard. The kids came over. They were all married. They came over, and they said hello to me. It was just such a weird moment. And my kids are sitting down and looking, what's happening with Dad? He's, he's a mess. <laughs> really, I just, it was hard for me to fathom that, but now as a Christian, I understood that God had set people up to pray for me, even though I wouldn't appreciate it at the moment. Could it be that God's all over you and that people praying for you too? I would say yes. That's why, you know, the Holy Ghost has been tugging you. You go to church. I don't want to go to church. You end up in church. Because God's been all over you because he wants to release to you your destiny. You're much greater than your moment. 
you, you, God has so much for you, but Father God is trying to get you back in because he wants to release his greatness in you and through you. And then he wants to bless your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren and your... Amen. Come on, let's give him praise. Amen. So in a nutshell, happy Father's Day.